Hello, and welcome to Q&A Quest episode... 141. Thank you. I should just say, insert line from now on. Uh, I'm your host, Mike FCK Wheels, and with me as always... Nail bat enthusiast, David McBurney, Family Master. Nice. <laughs> and slightly beaten up daddy in Japan with his adorable little co-host, uh, Michael Baker, Gaijin Monogatari. Am I the only one awake? No, no, no I am. <laughs> Wheels is legally asleep, but <laughs> I have never, I have never heard that before. Legally asleep. Listen, if you can be legally blind, you can be legally asleep. That's fair. <laughs> yes, you know, new baby, etc., etc. Stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't blame you, but I will anyway. That's fair. That's totally fair. Uh, so we have lots of questions, and um, I've been playing lots of Pokemon and stuff. And mm-hmm. I was How also I was also up to almost three in the morning last night playing uh, Alliance Alive. So maybe I should talk about that first. So I climbed climbed the giant rainbow tower, and after a grueling battle at the top, came out successful and I don't remember what comes next in the game so should be fun good times mm-hmm. how close am I to the end of the game are you so are you in the actual demon realm not yet then you still got a ways to go okay not too much but you still have a ways just whenever they talk about launching your ship into orbit, that's going to be a point of no return, so you better make sure that everyone actually has a healing spell on. Duly noted. Because I kind of made that mistake and ended up in the final battle with only one person capable of healing. Oh, no! <laughs> and no way to buy more healing spells because the stores didn't have it at that level. Oof. Ouch. Yeah, I really should go back and tr- and just start that game over again, have some more fun. It's a good game, and I'm really enjoying playing it in, uh, with prettier graphics. Uh, there isn't, I mean, what am I trying to say here? My brain is not really not working today. Um, I kind of wish they had added something else new, but I mean, I can't, I don't really have any complaints about the game so mm-hmm. I guess it all worked out in the end uh, but yeah I, I'm hoping that uh, obviously the, the original version was like a super late 3DS game so I'm really hoping that more people bought this version but hey, hey it's also coming out to Steam next year so there's always that Yep. <laughs> so we shall see Uh, so, Pokemon. Poke- you know, over here, um, over made about thirteen bucks on it. Yay! And I'm uh, just restarted um, the Maple Story 3DS game. Nice. And, remember- and remembering why I had to score it lower than its DS predecessor. Oh no! <laughs> um, it doesn't have um, slide pad um, command uh, ability for movement. Oh, which I'm like, 
the DS one did, mainly because all DS games just allow kind of defaulted to using that for the command interface if you put it in a 3DS. Um, but no, the 3DS one doesn't. I don't know why. That seems pretty bad. <laughs> it's kind of annoying when you're trying to figure out why you're not moving and then realize, oh, wait a minute, your thumb's on the wrong spot. <laughs> that and the um, the reappearance of the kill X number of monsters or find Y number of items to uh... proceed in the plot. <laughs> Which, I mean, granted, the DS game did that exactly once for each time, and they managed to turn it into a learning experience for the characters when they did it. In this case, no, it's just um, kill 30 of these monsters and see if the effect on the be- on the local bad thing lessens. Killed it? Nope, it, it didn't do a thing. <laughs> Go fight the boss instead. Yeah. <sighs> So that uh, that sounds like it's going well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's still a fun game. It's just technologically superior and overall inferior to its own predecessor. <laughs> I mean, th- this this isn't even counting the quantitative stuff. Like it's technically a fifteen to twenty hour single storyline game, whereas the predecessor was four different ten hour storylines. <laughs> that intersected frequently. So, yeah. I mean, for what it was, it was not a bad game. It just wasn't nearly as good as the first one. (laughs) Yeah, well, that happens sometimes, sadly. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting when you see like a technological advancement followed by a oops, we made some poor decisions in other areas that were not technically oriented. So it happens. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So are we going to do some questions or are we going to talk about Dave's play, what Dave is playing or? What I've been playing is also Pokemon. Pokemons. Uh, let's see. I think I well, just got. I just got my third badge. So hmm. I'm chuckling. I have five. So did, Congratulations. So did you get the Stonehenge Pokemon, and did you name it 18 inches? Haven't gotten the Stonehenge Pokemon, though I do know of it. Um. And so, therefore, it does not have a name yet. Might end up being called that, though. Yeah. Can't prove it. Well, I, I saw a couple of instances on tw- on Twitter when people were sharing around photos, and a lot of people had actually named their um, little Stonehenge Pokemon one eight and quote mark. <laughs> I'm like, rock on, dudes. Yes, rock on. Okay. Yes, I'll admit I had to look up that joke. I'm, oh, um, my, my high school math teachers were both big fans of We Are Spinal Tap, nice. so they would actually show that part of the movie just to make a point on proper notation. Don't think I've ever actually watched all of I Am Spinal Tap. I like Go how you both it. got the name Sometimes. slightly wrong. 
I mean, granted, your level of amusement may depend on how long you've actually spent in an actual band, because apparently a lot of hard rock band members watched the movie and couldn't tell that it was supposed to be a comedy at first. <laughs> One of them went so far as to be quoted as saying, I didn't know they were making a documentary about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yes yeah it, it's it's very similar to how a lot of jet or most japanese people don't realize that lost in translation was supposed to be funny <laughs> oh. yeah was, was that movie by the same people that made um what's the what's the uh the fake dog show documentary uh best in show yeah best in show yeah, yeah it's also a christopher guest one okay yeah that movie Which is also hilarious. mostly funny to people who have never actually been involved in a pet in a dog show. <laughs> Which just goes to show you how crazy actual life can be. Now, as for what else we're playing over here, um, so the world's cutest co-host, who is quietly watching the screen, has learned how to roll over on command or at will, not on command, because she won't listen to us anyway. So her new favorite game is let's see how hard we can make daddy work at changing our diaper. <laughs> Important work. Yeah. The best worst game. Yes. She doesn't know what her big sister's high score was, but she's going to still try and beat it. Yes. <laughs> oh, she's just sleepy right now, so. Can't blame her. Should we start hitting the questions? Yep. Since they are okay, let's see. First numerous one from and Budai. belligerent. Yep. So, first one from Budai. Do you find some games too pessimistic to enjoy? Why, so yes, I, had a I do. Trouble with this because obviously something like Resident Evil is in a dark world, but I don't equate it to much to that, but... Something like The Outer Worlds, despite being satire and full of humor, the setting just felt so hopeless that I found it off-putting. Hmm. So, yeah, your favorite dark and kind of pessimistic game? Or even least favorite or ones we just didn't want to bother finishing. Uh, like, usually what this happens for me, like, for me, this happens more when it's pessimistic about its own cast, I guess. I don't want to play a game full of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I can think of one that that Wheels might mention. Uh, Do it. Beat him to the punch. Three, two, just, just one. Do it. Do it. I was going to say, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned Metal Magzina. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> With the extinction. Every time. Every time. I blissfully forgot about the extinction index. Yes. Why? Well, okay, uh, it has been mentioned we have, we have our Metal Max quota for the day. Let's move on. Okay, okay well, the one the one I was going to mention was a uh, PC tactical title called Children of Zodiacs. Oh, I remember you when I remember you mentioning that when you were first playing it. Yep, and I'm still kind of annoyed at the whoever it was who reviewed it for a different side who stole the best possible title. Oh no. For the review. Because his title for his review was Turn-Based Tragedy. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, yeah, um, I mean, very few characters make it at, make it through the one evening of storyline alive. Um, the only person who is not fundamentally broken in some way is a like a minor side character on the side story section who is just kind of happy and trying to get through life and is probably a trans-dimensional planeswalker of some kind. Um, because he's very obviously not from around here. Um, otherwise, the entire game's plot is based on an extreme of class conflict, uh, gang warfare, and cannibalistic cultists. Good times. Hmm. Yeah. Some light subject matter. Yeah. 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 It's it's a pretty pessimistic and dark game. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of like games that I specifically put down over this kind of thing, but it's usually that like if I get a read on them that makes them seem unpleasant, I just don't pick them up in the first place. <laughs> I mean, again, Zodiax was actually pretty fun to play. It had a good, good story. It had really good writing. Um, I had to make a note in the review saying that if you don't like certain types of politics mixed with your entertainment, it's probably not for you. Um, yeah. So there's that. Uh, for a completely different brand of pessimistic and dark, we have the Darkest Dungeon. Yeah. 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 Though it was very fun to try and write a pseudo review in character as somebody driven insane by the experience, <laughs> with as much Lovecraftian style prose as possible. Ah, oh, that was awesome. And at least at least a dozen vocabulary words I have never had a, an excuse to use again. <laughs> I really should I really should uh, do something about that sometime. So. You got any other wheels? <laughs> uh, nothing really jumps to mind. Hmm. Let's see. Mark of the Mermaid. That was the that was the Lovecraftian survival horror tactical RPG, which wasn't too bad. Anyway, one moment. I'm gonna have to mute for a moment. So keep talking. Sure. Okay. Uh. Other pessimistic RPGs. Um, I feel like RPGs also don't often inhabit this space, at least in North America. Yeah, I think a lot of them are just like post-apocalyptic, so the settings just naturally bleak. Yeah, I mean, I admit that I don't typically get that invested in, say, Fallout, but that I think has more to do with the fact that a lot of the writing doesn't really care that much about what happens here. Yeah. And also that just most of the ones... I haven't put a lot of time into the old ones and Bethesda's writing's kind of poop. So, well, the uh, the other cute little co-host would like to say hi. Can you say hi? Hello. Hello. Say hi. Say hello. Maybe she's shy, I'm not sure. Can you say hello? <laughs> hello. Hello. Oh. Hello. Hello. How are you feeling? Better? Okay. <laughs> okay, well. Okay, so. 
Now, if they ever made a Warhammer 40k actual video game, that would probably take a cake for that. I've done a few 40k video games, but almost none of them are RPGs. Yeah, I mean, it's based on a war game, so it's RTS all the way. Uh, I mean, half of them aren't RTS. And I think the first one I ever saw was a bad FPS. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Halo would have been like a spiritual successor there. Okay. Well, well, I'm gonna pop, I'm gonna mute again for a little bit. For, uh. Maybe we can hit the next question then. Sure. Uh, do we want to hit the one on the Discord before we allow ourselves to forget? Yeah, let's do that because there was one I think specifically about newer Pokemon. Let me pull it up. Yeah. Where is it? Uh, da, da, da. It's right at the bottom. Uh, no, there's one above that. Oh. From Low Whoops. Pokemon has had a swirling shatter over it on the internet due to design design decision, but Sword and Shield are fantastic Pokemon games and have sold pretty darn well. Uh, that's that's a mild understatement. Uh, the limited decks is actually good news for the series since they can add more oldies in each game moving forward now that they have the bulk of the development done and ready to be used in the next game. Can you please explain to people why the way they did it makes sense and the quality of what they've done means great things for the series on the Switch? So one thing that immediately sprung to mind when I first read this a couple, a couple days ago was that... Uh, they pr- so this this is the sort of thing that will probably piss off a lot of people. Probably not a lot in our audience, but I mean, a certain kind of person. Sure. They probably could have fit more Pokemon in than they did. Sure. Like in specific, I mean, there were a lot of Kanto Pokemon models that could probably have been polished from Let's Go that they specifically chose not to. And I think that that points to that this set of Pokemon was specifically curated. Like, they made a choice about what they were going to have in there, and, like, kind of decided, like, this set of Pokemon will be here. I like that. (laughs) Yeah, no, because there's, there's a lot of things, choices made about this one that seem like they are built to, uh, they're built to create a specific game balance. Like, often, one of the problems that they ran into over the years, if you, like, actually look at how people play Pokemon together, is that the uh, people who try to play them competitively, like, trying to balance the amount of Pokemon in every game is impossible. Like, absolutely Mm -hmm. impossible. Uh, We're almost at a thousand Pokemon now. (laughs) Yeah, like yes. I think this this one probably puts them at nine hundred. Probably at this point, um, since I have a bit of free time this week, I am taking the opportunity to inventory my Pokemon card collection to figure out which ones I need to actually be looking for before the new Sword Shield de- um, packs get start getting released in a week and a half. Is it that soon over there? God, that's not fair. Um, well, not the, fair. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the starters for. The starters for the Sword and Shield Pokemon cards are this Friday. Nice. Boosters are going to start coming out in about two weeks or so, which means that they're probably going to start showing up at the used game store where I just pick and cherry pick specific cards in about by January. So, 
You just need to figure out what I'm missing first. Okay, so looking at it, uh, Sword and Shield brings the actual total up to 890. Okay, just shy of 900. So that means there's about 80 new ones in this game? 81. 81. 81. Okay. Just trying to remember the exact count. The smallest number that a new game has ever introduced is still X and Y at 72. But they were good ones. Yeah, they were good. They were good ones in there. But yeah. Okay. Sun Moon. I mean, at, at the moment, the most I can do is enjoy how crazy some people are ranting in various <laughs> things on the internet. I, I once, like last week, I read through a huge rant about how awful the game was because it couldn't have Breath of the Wild level graphics for the outdoor area. Uh, let's yes. talk about okay. game engines. So talk about that priorities. moment. I need to do something. Okay. Sure. Let's talk about game engines and design priorities. Yes. I mean, does has anyone has have, have any of these people bothered to point out how many like Pokemon can be wandering around the wild areas at any one time? Oh or, man! Or the fact that, for the most part, Pokemon are mostly on showing up on screen now and not random encounters. No, you know, no, no, no. It's not I mean, important. I mean, there's there's other questions to go into there. I sure. mean, like, you'll note that uh, this was a mild complaint at the time, but. Breath of the Wild has a, ver- a dearth of different kinds of models, especially for enemies. There's only a handful of enemy types in that game. Because yes. One for balance reasons, but also just to... They had to cut somewhere. Mm. <laughs> like like with every game, they had to pick somewhere to that, like, okay, that's, that's just going to have to be enough. Uh, and, you know, you can see that like that choice allowed them to pursue other things i think uh the choice not to try to get every pokemon in allowed them to pursue the wild areas at all which was a design idea that they've really never pursued before that uh really opens up the game a lot i have to imagine Uh, that really reducing the number of pokemon like greatly expands the amount of qa resources they have available that too but i mean and then also they they have a when they are allowed to just decide okay this many pokemon will be in the game it frees them from a lot of balanced debt yes and from like one of the things that they've had to do recently part of the reason that they keep doing like galarian forms and alolan forms is not it is in and mega forms as well it's not just you know uh nostalgia pandering although some of it's that it's not just to make the world feel like oh well some of these came from specific places and they evolve differently when they go other places but it's also just that when they when they do the they they need to do these things to make certain monsters usable mm. and like that's why you know older monsters tend to be the ones that get uh new forms and variants because a lot of them are just they're they're built for especially the Gen One ones are built for a standard of power that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> like a lot of them are realistically like at the time you could get them through the game and like they could get through the story mode and be useful through to the end of it. But because of the way that the Pokemon are designed now, they can't get to the they will stop being usable by the time you're like fighting the elite four or whatever 
because they're just <laughs> their stats are bad. They they don't learn a lot of moves, that sort of thing. They don't have to. Uh, they don't have to. At some point, you have to just by admitting that not all of them are going to be in there. You don't have to. You can customize the ones that are in there to better both the game itself and the monsters that are there to better suit a better play experience for everyone who's using them. Let's see. But yeah, um, I think like I think that it's been kind of understated how much the choice was specifically made to actually just have the have this set of Pokemon because they could actually build a game around them. Since like when you're when you're bringing anything forward, you're essentially accepting that your project is starting with design debt. An extreme amount of design debt too. Yeah. Like, Especially as they go on, they. I remember one of the ways that they tried to update old Pokemon was that Gen Five gave every Pokemon a hidden ability. But the way that they had to disseminate those was weird, and some of them never had their hidden ability disseminated anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then sometimes they would give something a hidden ability, and it was it was a problem for people playing competitively. I remember they gave the Gen Three Firestarter uh, Blaziken. They gave it Speed Boost, and that was an overwhelming ability for it to have. <laughs> So, you know, but not a lot of time to test that. Uh, Gen 5, I believe there were like 600 monsters by that point, and all of them get a new ability. <laughs> yeah, um, coming from the software development world, um, it, it really annoys me to see people saying, oh, it's easy to throw all these things in here. How come they can't just do this? They're lazy. Oh, and I want to just like, punch them all in their faces. Oh, they're man. showing how pointy their hair is. Yes. Do you remember... Uh, I should ask. Did you see the... Uh, like, the, the most unrealistic estimate about how long it takes to put Pokemon into uh, a new Pokemon game? It did not. No, it was uh, like this. It was like this screenshot of this awful Reddit post that was just something like, you know, it probably takes about you know ten minutes to put in a model, <laughs> and they got like, and it was what? basically the figure they came up with was that you should be able to put in about a hundred and twenty Pokemon into the game per hour. What? It was incredible. Okay. Kind <laughs> of bad. If ten minutes meant like. I don't know, putting the code in after you finally figured everything out. Hey! Maybe. Welcome, Eric. Hey, Eric. Oh, we got a new person. Okay, hey. cool. Eric wanted to talk about Romancing Saga. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm essentially done with the game because, uh, or the third game, because uh, there's a actually a nasty bug in the Switch version that prevents me from beating it. Oh, oh really? Yeah, because like, when you fight the true... Um, de- demon lords. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll use certain attacks, and that will crash the game. <laughs> oh, good job. Oh, <laughs> it only happened there, because like, it's the only time it's happened to me when the game crashed. Has it happened more than once? Yeah. Oh, crap. It's like, okay. I don't know if I just managed to avoid it during the other Demon Lord counters, because uh, it happened to one Demon Lord counter... <laughs> With one attack, I don't even remember which one it was, but it started happening again. Like uh, when I fought the uh, the let's see, I think is it was Alcus, mm-hmm. um, the Earth one. Yes, Alcus. Yeah, and um, he's the he's the one that has the weakest amounts of defense, but he also uses attacks like Earthquake. <laughs> And yep. I tried fighting him twice, and yeah, it was the same attack when it was when when the game would crash. So I figured it was a bug. So I'm just gonna watch the ending online because that ending was for other characters. I mean, there's a general ending, and then there's a the character ending. Mm-hmm. So I'll just replay the game again when they actually fix it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it, the bug exists on other versions of the game because that would explain why other people have endings online. <laughs> but mm-hmm. or they, they got lucky and they never encountered the bug. But um, because they never because like, like depending like, on depending, depending on your formation, yeah, because it could be like depending on your formation, yet the enemy might not use certain attacks. Rainbow They'll be like focused on um, doing something else. Oh. Hi, little buddy. <laughs> so you were playing uh, Yulian? Yeah. Ah. And like, I guess every character has a little something to him, but I think that's only really true of two characters, uh, Mikhail and Yulian. Mm. It's like, with Mikhail, you get access to the or real tech strategy minigame quick mm-hmm. early. And then with uh, Yulian, you yep. get the ability to um, do. The... Well, if you have. I think. Which one's the, the little sister? Sarah, was it? Yeah. If you have Sarah, you can actually fight the final boss in commander mode. Yeah. That's another thing she, you could do, but um, that's what I read. Yeah. But I don't yeah. really see the point of commander mode because, like, um, it's automated and it's very limited. Mm hmm. Like, I, I couldn't see myself using it really. But. Yeah, let's see. And Katrina has a whole different storyline for parts and what else. Yeah, but yeah. a lot of the others kind of like pick and choose. Yeah, because so. like it's a more like a, every character has their own intro, but every the mainly the rest of the game is the same with like dialogue changes. Yeah. Mm. As opposed but, to, like, Romance the Saga original, where they kind of went overboard with that kind of thing and had and learned from the experience. <laughs> and the game's more of a remaster than, like, an enhanced port because the, the texture quality of some of the places you're going to is improved considerably, like, something the Super Nintendo couldn't do. Yeah. But, um... I was going to say, I wasn't aware if they actually added any content... They, they did. There's this new dungeon in the game, which is like uh, this uh, dungeon that's like split into four parts, and um, it's your typical extra dungeon fair, like 
there's no real like design to it, and it's it sounds like of, the maze of memories from *Romancing Saga* too. Yeah, yeah, it's basically that, but uh, like you get more extra story content that like fleshes out some of the characters a bit more. Mm. Did they actually provide any closure to the Tatiana story um, B plot, or yeah, like the fact that she ran away is because she her brother and sister tried to kill her with poison. Okay, see that that's more information than was in the original game. Because yeah. all you knew in the original game was that she ran away and that she will leave your party if you go to a specific town, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like a rainbow. Yes. But, We're um, eating apples over here. That it Great. has an it has a final boss in there that's kind of like a super boss because I think it the boss is slightly harder than the first than the final boss. Oh dear! From what I from what I could tell, because not that it has it probably has more HP, but that's like mm-hmm. the only reason it's harder. Like so, surviving the difficulty challenge in that battle. But mm-hmm. um, the final boss is probably harder just because it hits harder, but. Yeah. Um. So if you can beat that boss, you could beat the final boss. But um, it hasn't. I'd say it's a new track, but it's not really because it's a track that was no, used in the I'm... mobile version of uh. No. Mm-hmm. No. In the the new mobile game, um, Reuniverse, which is just technically Saga Four. <laughs> I think Saga Four, but uh. Is this supposed to be a sequel of sorts? I don't know. I mean, if it's anything like the uh, the old iPhone game, it's really nothing more than a an ad hoc story that somehow brings together stuff from two or three completely unrelated games. Yeah, it's an excuse to have Katja in there, but yeah, <laughs> but it's it's, I mean, it's that, less of an excuse the, than say the, Imperial Saga, though. Yeah, Emperor Saga and Imperial Saga were both like that. It's just in, Imperial Saga had slightly better combat set up because you didn't have to worry about just touching spots on your iPhone all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it feels like it's a, a stripped-down version of the Saga gameplay, but with, like, more of a Final Fantasy aesthetic to it. So it's kind of like Ricker Keeper, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, um... The... the um, there were no other remix tracks in the game. Mm. As far as I can tell. It would have been neat to see, like, the final battles have um, remixes from that were featured in the Rebirth 2 soundtrack. Yeah. But they didn't do that. But there's no option to switch. Mm. But otherwise, oh. it's the same game from uh, years ago, which I played a fan translation of, and yeah, the fan translation was awful. <laughs> yes, it was. And I, I didn't even get to any of the Four Devils. It's like, I really like the soundtrack. Um, if, there's one, if there's one thing that like I can say about the game's soundtrack, that's probably one of the better ones that Kenji Ito's done. It's quite good. But um, you could really tell in the battles themselves. It's like he wrote the final battle uh, theme to sound like it's a big epic thing, because I guess he, along with the closet, probably felt like maybe we might not be able to do another one next time. So let's go all out. 
<sighs> Tragic possibility at all at all mm-hmm. times. <laughs> but uh, I think Kenji Ito kind of has the same quality level like uh, Sakuraba had in the day because Sakuraba never really improved, but he did. <laughs> just Sakuraba <laughs> just phones it in every time he does the tail soundtrack. Well, as, as I recall, Kenji Ito primarily plays sports games, and he's never actually played a single RPG he scored. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that's a lot to take in. Yeah, but anyway, um, on that subject, apparently Square is reprinting the old *Romancing Saga* two soundtrack huh. um, to be released next January. Hmm. Considering I kind of uh, rented it from a Geo or from a um, Staya like five, six years ago and mm. have it on MP3 now. Um, it's like, cool, but yeah. I also, I think I also scanned the the inner jacket art for this, the site, which is why we actually have the world map for Manson Saga 2. Mm-mm. Now, if only we could get a remaster of not just the soundtrack, but the game of uh, Menstrual Saga. Yeah. Mm. No, I would buy the heck out of that. I was going to say that was what got me to buy a PlayStation 2 in the first place. Because, like, yeah, the original SNES game did not age well. <laughs> it did not age well within its own generation. Yeah. It, it's got, like... And they knew it. It's got, like, a... I feel like it, along with 5, used the same engine, and he just they just tweaked it a bit. <laughs> and yeah. so it's from that whole era of, like, Dragon Quest V and Final Fantasy V, where things just look like butt... <laughs> Ooh, massively, yeah. And not just butts, but butt. But that remake uh, has aged like fine wine, I must say. Yeah, yeah, the character style... Character style is SD, but like... I kind of dig it compared to like... Other games that use the SD style in the PS2 era. Mm -hmm. I like it a lot. I mean, you've got some really expressive faces for characters in that game. And they sort of replicated that art style with uh, Scarlet Grace. Yeah, it's it's that art style that it's, that that feels yeah. like this is how I pictured like 3D games would look when I was only playing mm-hmm. S- SNES games. I mean, they also, um, especially for Scarlet Grace, they did a pretty good job of carrying the um, the the art style of the lady who does the main art for the entire series and always has. So. So I wonder if we'll get a remake of a Minstrel Song. But if we do, it probably won't happen until after he does Frontier and Frontier 2. Because I have a feeling he's going in that direction. I mean, if he does Soccer Frontier, the more power to him. I'm just wondering if he's going to actually put all the stuff in that they couldn't have fit on the first CD originally. Mm-hmm. Because if that's the case, then oh hell yes! Yeah, like the like the ninth scenario and linking all the scenarios. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, having Fuse's quest as the eighth scenario, or having Loot's quest at all. Maybe they could properly end Blues instead of just having it it fade to a sepia tone photo and then the game ending. Because <laughs> the, the idea is that you're stuck in hell fighting scene forever. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they could have. Yeah, there was a lot of things cut from all of the scenarios in that game, but some more than others. But still, we okay. So 
Do we still have any questions? Um, no, we have quite a few. Yeah, we have done. Q and A quest um, Discord. Uh, one of the, we got the one on the Discord. That was the Pokemon one. Uh, no, the second one. Yeah, there's yeah. One. Our games like this guy of visual novels. Is Criteria necessarily. Uh, just not having any dungeons or overworld map to explore wouldn't that make a lot of RPG visual novels? Well, well, if if a visual novel is going to have any kind of interactive gameplay at all, it's probably going to be a tactical battle to begin with. Yeah, a lot of people and complain. One okay. <laughs> a lot of people complain that uh, visual novels don't have gameplay, but that's not really true, especially if you. Factor in a game like Higurashi, where the game isn't, like, reading the text. The game is actually trying to predict where the plot's going to go. Yeah. The games are quite challenging, you know, Mm -hmm. me trying to stay awake. I mean, the game game even reinforces us by having the characters do a, like, a speculation uh, minute for, like, post, like, scenario. Characters uh, act like they're just like actors in a story, and then they're just sh- shooting the breeze. So that was fun. I'm trying to th- like I'm trying to think why I wouldn't class something like Disgaea as a visual novel, and I think it's in part just like how much text is emphasized. Like, there's a lot of text, like. A lot, like a class of their own amount of text in visual novels. Yeah. Well, I don't know. This guy of five kind of approaches that, considering how long its plot is. Uh, I mean, this guy itself is pretty obviously taking some tropes from um, the visual novels style of the of the of the time it was originally made. So, I mean, I can see part of where he's coming from because, I mean. Especially during the PS2 period, there were quite a few visual novels like that. Yes, I agree. Yes, yes. Okay, let's mute again. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, like it's definitely visual novel influence. But I, I just the degree of uncut text, I think, is an, is a consideration here. And I think there are games that probably actually fit this question better than yeah. And. Uh, Disgaea, but... And to that same degree, Disgaea 5, although, yes, the story is very long, they actually made a point of offloading a lot of um, a lot of the story into, like, optional character conversations and stuff like that, instead of just mm. shoveling it all down your throat. Wheels has, uh, Wheels has been hurt by a game called Tears to Tiara 2. That is a great game. <sighs> <laughs> I was going to say most of the Aqua Plus games. The only problem is not knowing when, when I can like save again. When it was when it was a game, it was. Great. I'm not entirely sure you're allowed to save in between those segments. But that's insane. <laughs> Listen, like, why would you not just I, make it so you could save at any point? Th- this I is, think yeah. the game does tell you like to save. I think it does make you save your game before big sections like that show up though. Yeah. I know, but it is just a case of like I feel like it's. It's like, if this were Metal Gear Solid 4, it would be a cutscene, but it's a bunch of text. Yeah. I don't know. The way I always put that game is it's a very, very good strategy RPG attached to a very mediocre visual novel. 
Well, you probably don't like any visual novels. That's <laughs> I mean, you're probably not wrong. That's fair. Uh, but I, I went... It's more in... like you have to be a fan of visual novels to really enjoy this game. I mean, I went into this game with no bias. Like, I wanted to... You'd never played a visual novel. <laughs> no, never really played a visual novel. I was just taking it as it was, and the story bored the living hell out of me. Like You it... should play Higarashi. <laughs> Like it had it had nothing to do with the mountains of text. That's that's fine. I can take that. It's the fact that you sp- I spent like an hour, and it was it was nothing. It was all nothing. <laughs> it was an hour of text and nothing happened, and no conversation was advanced. That it happened all the time in that game, and it was it was it just sucked, man. Yeah. I think if, they I think they get better with that in the like later games. Yeah, I'm sh- I'm sure they're like um what what are those games with the mask of something and the unpronounceable Yeah. I'm going to try those at some point because I've heard really good things about that and hopefully that will be better. But yeah, Tears to Tiara. I I wonder I wonder how much how altered the script is for uh the remake of the original is going to be compared to the original. Utawari <laughs> Rumono? Yeah. Well, I mean, most of the actual R-rated content was, like, stuff that you actually had to dig for. Um, yeah. In certain uh, endings or certain it scenes. Definitely it feels kind like of been there to was, satisfy the PC audience at the time. definitely feels like one of those VNs that had the art 18 plus created after the fact, just to sell extra copies. I'm I'm pretty sure that's how it was. That's how they were able to strip it down to the point where they could release it on a um, mainstream platform. Unlike Fate, that probably requires it, and then the the other versions are lesser for it. Yeah. Or actually, I'm still trying to figure out how in the world they managed to get Toshi and Toshi onto 3DS. Uh, not given a very shit. carefully. <laughs> very very carefully, probably with extra lube. <laughs> well, no, 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 don't want to. I've had this uh, in the past. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> yes, that, that's, I mean, that's that's the level of game we were talking about to begin with on that one. Oh, I know. Um, yeah. I'm so just saying, love, 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 and the Grisaia games, like, kind of need it, but I think Move Love gets away be- well with it better because it doesn't necessarily need as much. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a an option that certain players will want to pursue so they have the option available. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah Tierra 2. Wanted to love that game. I did not. And this guy is not a visual novel. It just could be if you took out all the battles. Well, there was a there was yeah, <laughs> this guy guy there, there was that like twenty hour visual novel yeah this guy yeah. infinite which is a very strange game which I have which I but I haven't played yet I have played I, I did not finish <laughs> I remember picking up a copy of a PS2 um, supposed to be tactical um, visual novel type thing similar to Tears Tiara oh I think I remember where you're going with this that I picked up the the uh, plot scenes only version. Mm. So after like an hour and a half of nothing but text and pictures, I'm like, are we getting into a battle at any point, or did I misread this cover? Mm. <laughs> I had misread this cover. Okay. Whoops. Uh, that's Wheels the first time he played Tears to Tiara, too. 
Um, well, no, that's the damn thing. It starts with a battle. Oh, it starts with a battle, it and then five the battle. hours later, there hasn't yes. been a second one. And this, that here's was, five hours of stuff. That was afterwards. five hours, and I skipped some of the cutscenes, so it was probably longer. <laughs> but but the weird thing about that game is like after that, it gets into it gets into eventually gets into like a better groove. So it's like you know maybe two hours of story, and then you know, get a nice long battle. You but that beginning was yeah, <laughs> that beginning was just what what are you doing? <laughs> If if you're gonna be a visual novel and a strategy RPG, give me both in equal parts, please. <laughs> please, I'm begging you. Like to to put it another way, uh, games like the modern Persona games are often equated to being like visual novel plus RPG, but I don't think that works in part because the very longest you'll go without having person like player-directed interaction with the game is usually about an hour. And I feel like games that are actual, like, straight-up visual novel plus something else hybrids, you might go several hours without actually having a player-based, a play-based interaction with the game. Like, Phoenix Wright is a visual novel. I would actually say Phoenix Wright is an adventure game. Japanese adventure games have moved, having had a separate lineage from Western adventure games, uh, rooting back to Portopia serial murder case, but that's a very different subject. <laughs> Bearing in mind that in Japan, one of the weirder things is that uh, visual novel is a type of sort of adventure style game, but I mean it's not hardly the only one. There's also sound novels. <laughs> what? You know what? Don't don't answer that question. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> Sound novels are just mostly no, no. <laughs> they're mostly text and um, and it's done without um, usually without voice acting or imagery. Yeah, like a visual novel will have more like illustrations to go along with it than a sound novel. But yeah, like, there's, like, there's like sound novel segments in the Sandman Kagura games. I'll take your word. I haven't played any Sandman Kagura. At least. That's how it was in the beginning. Now it's a bunch of character versus character one-on-one cutscenes. It's a preamble before the actual level starts. Yeah. And and then afterwards. But yeah, I I would say that uh, Phoenix Wright traces its lineage more to Portopia. In the sense of, like, the Japanese-style adventure game that revolves around, like, you solve some puzzles, but a lot of it is systematically going to places that direct you from place to place and, like, exhausting dialogue options. That means uh, that Danganronpa is more, then. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Although Danganronpa has a lot of uh, confused ideas going on, so... Yeah, like let's insert a mini game for no reason. Yeah, every t- that's the that's the thing that's frustrating is that every time Duncan Rampa introduces a mini game, it's like this was better before I had to do this nonsense that you're forcing me to do. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, the Japanese adventure genre has a fascinating history that is almost entirely undocumented in English. Mm. So hopefully someday someone does a proper like book on that uh, let's see moving to another question 
Uh, speaking that, of... that reminds me, Touch Detective is like one of the worst Japanese adventure games I've played. <laughs> oh man, don't make me think of Touch Detective. Uh, I like the premise and the art style, but it just it's, it's boring. Just... Atlas, um, I wonder why you picked it up so many years ago. It was probably very cheap. Uh... There is that. I feel like that's uh, always an un. And a question that uh, can get skated by with why certain niche games never came over is that, like, some of them probably sat in a space where, like, a niche publisher was probably interested in localizing them, but found that their developer was not interested in licensing them for a fee that would make sense to pay. Uh, <laughs> the premise is like, what if Adam's family was an adventure game? <laughs> Very cute but, idea. Pity about that execution. Let's see. Uh, Budai asking, speaking of Death Stranding, what do you think are some of the strangest AAA games ever made? Indie games are usually weirder, but what are some big budget titles that don't play it safe? Uh, Metal Gear Solid 3. Uh, Metal Gear Metal Solid, Gear Solid 2. 2. <laughs> A lot of Kojima's games. Really. Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> That game, he wanted that game to be weirder. That game originally had a much different plot. Bayonetta? <laughs> Bayonetta, like, I'm not even sure if I'd call that AAA, but, like, that one, it's also... I would almost say that, like, that one is less weird than when Devil May Cry came out and basically invented a genre. Because, like, Bayonetta is, diff, is weird, definitely, but it is very much building on Devil May Cry. And Beautiful Joe, but... Uh, Where's uh, uh, Astral Chain fit in? Oh, that one's, that's a I lot still of haven't game. played that, because like, so many games came out this year, I couldn't afford to buy those. Yeah. I've, Man, I'm waiting. I've, I've barely played team. Romancing Saga 3 because I was freaking Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. I know. And we got and Scarlet figured, Grace and I told in a myself, week. I told myself I'm going to get Sword, yep. but I'm not going to play Sword until I've play through Ultra Sun and then Let's Go Eevee. <laughs> and I was going to do that until I played Dragon Quest S. Oh, man. I managed to ram through Dragon Quest Eleven S. What a good game. Uh, Actually, I have this Thanksgiving the, uh, weekend to play through most yeah. of it. I, I was curious, um, what does the American box for Dragon Quest Eleven S look like? Uh, I can... Get a photo and put it in Skype. It's quite nice. It's better than the original box. <laughs> um, I don't know what the original American box looks like. got the original art in it, for one. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I was just thinking, because I, I saw a used copy at the store the other day, mm-hmm. and it was, like, just red. What? Um, it was, like, it was red. It had, like, looked like almost embossed images or patterns and the emblem of Lotto and the title on it and nothing else. Huh. And so I found a new copy and that looks like that that looks like a GameStop um, style logo where they just like threw an image on the picture. Yeah. But they're pre printed normal your normal switch uh, package will have like the switch logo on it. It'll have things it'll actually have pictures of the game printed on the back. Mm -hmm. And for the original or for a new copy of Dragon Quest 11S, all of that stuff is paper inserts into the plastic packaging. What? <laughs> so it's not actually part of the cover, or not part of the box. 
the box itself has nothing but the game's name and the logo of yeah that's the, the GameStop nonsense <laughs> yeah for, for the record this is what the I sent you a picture this is what it looks like yeah see that that's uh, that, yeah that is nothing like what the Japanese cover looks like that's a shame it's a really nice uh, piece of Toriyama art yeah no I'm oh let me find one here Oh, I mean, the point I'm trying to make here is that for at least um, that one, it's like it's like just like the weirdest marketing flex I've ever seen. Where it's like, yeah, we know exact, we know that you know exactly what you are buying <laughs> with this. You will buy this regardless of what it looks like. Just we don't need to show you anything that's in it. <laughs> no, I mean, you know what it is. You are buying it. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, well, okay. I found a copy of the, the, f- like the full set thing. Oh, never mind. Here's one. That looks more like that. Um, oh, let's see, actually see if I can find a clean picture. It's like there's two copies. Here we go. It's called the gorgeous version. <laughs> And it looks more like an old bound style book. Um, okay, uh, okay. Excuse Just me. link this thing up here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a nice, uh, it's a nice yeah. cover. But, I mean that that is in fact the actual. I mean, it's I guess it's more like a cover that goes over the box itself. Yeah, slip cover. Yeah, yeah. Slip cover. I couldn't really tell that encased in plastic as it was, but I was just looking at him like, that is, um, like the most interesting cover I've seen on a an actual game package. In that it doesn't actually show you anything about the game. <laughs> now I just want to pop Dragon Quest Eleven in again, but I can't spend that kind of time. It's, I mean, it's pretty much just saying that yes, you were looking at this, so you must automatically know what it is. I Which actually kind of hate. I actually kind of hate the TV but, sections in that game. <laughs> Not because they're bad; it's just that they went way too retro on the two D aspect. <laughs> it's like this is even stiffer than Dragon Quest Five on the SNES. Huh, I find it uh, weirdly easy to hit diagonals, which is not something I associate with that. Well, yeah, that's like the only imp- improvement they made, but like everything else seems like a step back. Mm. It's like you should have emulated Heartbeat's engine a lot more, but you didn't. <laughs> yeah, getting back to the question. Uh... What was the question again? (laughs) What do you think some of the strangest AAA titles ever made are? Okay. Usually ones that start genres. Yeah. (laughs) Shenmue. (laughs) Shenmue probably counts. God. Yeah, Smash Original. Yeah, Shenmue 1 is one of the strangest AAA games ever made. Shenmue 3 is not a AAA game. It's... It's a game that's designed to be like Shenmue. Yeah. Which... 
by yes. definition makes it not. It's not the budget juggernaut that the original was. Um, say uh, original Yakuza would also probably count as like a strange thing to have as your foray into AAA games. Uh, yeah. Panzer Dragoon. Yeah. And by yeah. extension, Panzer Dragoon Saga, which is an RPG that... Based on a rail shooter. Yes, <laughs> that has like no... There's nothing that you'd really say, oh, this is just like Panzer Dragoon Saga. It's its own unique thing. Hopefully one day they'll give us that in remake form or original form, but probably not that because their source code is long since lost. The Saturn, there you go. That's a tri- AAA thing that was, was strange and bizarre. I mean, yeah, the Saturn. Like, it look ran at what, witchcraft. Like, all of Sega's flagship products on that are baffling. And <laughs> or like, Dreamcast, even. Yeah. Yeah, they're, like, their Dreamcast games are. Uh, okay, Sonic Adventure is a tech demo for everything you can do with Dreamcast for some reason. Um, Fantasy Star Online informed like a generation of a lot of Japanese games. Yeah, it's just them sort of making Diablo. Yeah, (laughs) it's not not really weird. Yeah, it it was innovative, but it's not weird. Um, Let's see. Uh, I'm thinking of a lot of things that aren't that like wouldn't be AAA even at the time, but they wouldn't really be indie. The the Uh, extinct B grade. Every version of Final Fantasy XIII is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, although not intentionally. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's fair. I would say Lightning Returns is intentionally weird. I still need to play Lightning Returns. Yeah. It's like most of the really weird stuff I can think of was never, ever, even within spitting distance of AAA. Um, yeah. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, the Crystal Bearers. That wasn't triple A, and you know. It's, uh, <laughs> nope, but we but we managed to do another spot on the bingo card. Yeah, yeah, we all found a way to talk about them. Hey, I haven't yep. talked about Crystal Bears in a long time. Like what if they do episodes, Crystal Bears HD? Three or four weeks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so far we've managed Saga, Alliance Alive, Crystal Bearers, and Metal Max. So yeah, we are pretty close to a bingo. What if I talked yeah. about Monster Hunter? Only if you can find a way of actually getting it into the discussion. Damn it. Um, Legitimately. I still haven't fair, played, Hunter still haven't played uh, the, the Switch version when the it came out. Monster Hunter Stories that, is a strange AAA product. That is of. not a AAA game. Damn it. No, it's not a AAA <laughs> game. It's a AAA company to... making a not AAA game. Yeah, but they do a lot of those. Yeah. Um, okay, well, a different weird item from Sega that was marketed quite well but like Hero Bank oh god <laughs> yeah okay I'm just thinking about like the Saturn because like Sega like resolutely failed to capitalize on any prior franchise so like all of their AAA games in that era are by default weird because they're like why are you producing Burning Rangers instead of Streets of Rage 4? That's not true. <laughs> they capitalized on the success of Shining in the Darkness and Shining Force and Shining to Force make, 2 like, the to worst make superior sequels. You, what? No, I'm not talking about Shining Force 3. I'm talking about like Shining Wisdom. Oh, that's that's not important. I'm talking about Shining the Holy Ark. <laughs> Shining Wisdom is such a fucking ugly game. It's also terrible. <laughs> that's not important. And, and typically Shining Soul is the weird sequel successor to it. <laughs> and then they made Diablo, and they had Grasshopper Manufacture make it for some reason. 
Are you talking about Neo? No, I'm I'm talking about Shining Soul One. Oh yeah. For some reason, made by Grasshopper. Um, Shining Soul Two. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you could just add the words "for some reason" to any statement of a game being made by Grasshopper. I mean, like some games, like. I would say that some games, like, only Grasshopper could have made them. Like, no one else was going to make Michigan Report from Hell. Or ta- or Contact. Yeah, or Killer 7. Michigan Report or... from Hell? What? <laughs> yes, Michigan Report from Hell. This was, okay, sidebar so that I can explain this to you. <laughs> Michigan Report from Hell was a game where you played as, like, a cameraman for a news reporting, uh, for a news reporter who is going to, like, this, going to Michigan to report on, like, this uh, zombie disaster. And... Hey, Suda, where's Moon Syndrome and where's Michigan Report remastered? <laughs> oh, man. Well, Moonlight Syndrome's got a rights tie-up. Michigan has no excuse. Um, but it was a game, like... Your you the game rated you on your ratings. Like the more exciting your newscast, the better ratings you would get. And one of the ways you could gimmick ratings was by getting your uh, the reporter you're recording into danger. And if you did that and then uh, decided not to or failed to help them, they could also just die. And then the next level, you would have uh, a different reporter. Oh, so it's so it's Dead Rising, huh? <laughs> I guess you could go that Dead way. Rising, if it was... Oh, wait, he was a journalist, wasn't he? Never mind. Dead Rising, if it was... Yeah, Dead Rising is actually also another of the... This is a weird AAA game, since it was like a weird Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter slash uh, Majora's Mask style structure. Didn't see that often. Still don't see that that often. Nope. What a strange game. What do you consider a, a Lost Planet a AAA game? Um, yeah, I would say that was a franchise that Cap, Capcom specifically wanted to bank on as one of their leading ones. It didn't last, but they sure tried. <laughs> that was apparently uh, a game meant to Trojan Horse uh, mech gameplay. Uh, Interesting. I was listening to... Uh, yeah, because the was, game's the only the only fun part is when you're in the mech in that game. <laughs> the game was apparently originally uh, Lost Planet One. Like I was looking at reports from when it was new, and basically the thought process seems to have been that originally the game was all mech combat, and then the assumption became. And Lost Western. Planet Two was let's make Monster Hunter but in space. <laughs> well, but like the thing is, Lost Planet One was originally all mech combat and then someone higher up at Capcom said westerners will not buy games where you play in mechs so yes we will yes we will <laughs> damn it if you make that mech more like a third person shooter it would work <laughs> I'm just gonna assume it was Enoch King that did this yeah and like they had a weird mechanic where you had to keep your body temperature up <laughs> yeah yeah it was weird that is a franchise that immediately went directly into the ground. And then they made a third game that was more like the first game, but it was not fun at all. Well, it was made by Spark Unlimited, so what did you expect? <laughs> Harsh and fair at the same time. Listen, I'm, I'm just going to list all the games that Spark Unlimited did, and then you're going to have to live with that okay. information. But I still need to play that other, other Inafune game, um... Uh, it was like 
Recore, that's what it's called. Oh, Recore's good. Well, and and uh, so one of these days I'm gonna get to my copy of Delta. Um, <clears throat> uh, I mean Soul Sacrifice Delta. Okay, the uh, full gameography of Spark Unlimited, Call of Duty Finest Hour for your PlayStation Two, mm, Turning Point Fall of Liberty, Double Legendary Five. Legendary The Box, Sweet Jesus, <laughs> Lost Planet Three. Yeah, but Ninja Gaiden Z. How did they keep getting work? Uh, yeah, I, I got a copy of PC version of a uh, Yaiba for free. I can't That's, believe and, that someone would do that to you. I think, <laughs> I, it was a Twitter giveaway, and I didn't know what I was getting. Oh no! <laughs> Here's your prize. Here's the contaminant. Yeah, oh, and, and even at the price of free, that game's not worth it. <laughs> so for for the record, how did they keep getting work? Well, Legendary was their attempt to make their own IP. Uh, it was uh, published by a company that has long since ceased existing called Gamecock. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> oh, yeah. good old Gamecock. Yeah, I don't think people even remember who they were, but... It's like, almost as bad a name as Nude Maker. Nude Maker at least <laughs> like was Nude Maker at least made porn games, so it's like okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Gamecock was like the successor to an old uh, PC publisher called Gathering of Developers. Excuse me, their official name was Gamecock Media Group. Yes, it's true. Thank you. Bear in mind, they were always referred to as just. Gamecock. I'll always lament the death of Game Republic. but yeah uh, I think at the time I didn't know what a Gamecock was but I did know that they had like the the thing that got them the most notoriety it felt like at the time was that they uh, ran in during the Spike TV video game awards Mm. and interrupted a speech by Ken Levine uh, accepting Game of the Year for Bioshock. They rushed the stage in capes and rooster hats, using the microphone for self-promotion. Wow. The interruption resulted in Levine being unable to talk before he was ushered off stage. That's probably for the best, though, because Kevin likes to talk. It's true, but at the same time, it was also a giant dick move and didn't earn them any... Uh, <laughs> and did not earn them any goodwill. Uh, it was later acquired by South Peak Games. I'm not sure if you know who they are. I'm looking at it right now. Publishers of fine Garbo licensed games, and I believe also uh, frickin' Two Worlds. Kusoke. <laughs> yep, they were Two Worlds. South Peak Games quietly ceased from the public eye in July 2013. I can't believe the publisher of the Dukes of Hazard 2 Daisy Dukes It Out died. <laughs> Um, so, any other tasteless games to mention? Stars uh, TNA Hush. <laughs> Sorry, T- I couldn't quite catch that, guys. TNA Impact crossed the line. X-Blades? Triple X. Oh, God. They weren't involved with that. I know, but it's a game that's tasteless. A tasteless game. Oh, man. 
Man, they did State of Emergency 2. How did they fail? This list of games. Was that one of Deep Silver's first games? Save for Emergency 1 and 2? Uh, no, that was done by Viz Interactive, a <laughs> Scottish developer who had previously worked on. Uh, Freaking. Before Stage of Emergency, they worked on. Uh, what was it? Earthworm Jim 3D, that's what it was. Hmm. Probably only slightly less terrible than Bubsy 3D. Eh, about the same space. It's real bad. It's real bad. So, going back to the topic of really weird games, when is Moon getting its release again? Uh, we don't know an exact time. Sometime next year. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Release Nintendo Switch October 10th, 2019 in Japan. Yeah, in Japan already, yeah, but in America, who knows? <laughs> well, speaking of weird games coming out Worldwide sooner... sometime, it says Q4 2019, I'm thinking that's uh, wishful thinking. Yeah, that sounds like someone doesn't actually have a date and made a guess. Mm-hmm. A bad guess. Well, we got Scarlet Grace next week for a sooner weird game. Yeah? That's not AAA, but... Uh, and... Is that, that the Japanese oh. rolling release? On the North Americans yeah. next year. No, that's worldwide. Oh, already? Oh, yeah. where am I going to find the money for that? <laughs> and of course, oh, uh, I like that WordWad is actually um, linked in here for the reception um, on this game. Wait, that's just okay. That's isn't that the same week that Star Ocean comes out? <laughs> I forgot first departure hour was happening. Fuck. <laughs> Let's just not remember that one. Too bad. First departure's good. I'm gonna remember it. <laughs> I choose to remember it. Oh, well, at least Scarlet Grace is getting retail, so I could buy it later. Is it? Mm. Yeah. When? I haven't seen any listings for it. Mm. I think I think retail's later, and that's where I got screwed up. It could be. The only place I've seen a listing was PlayAsia, and I don't know if that's real or not. (laughs) Might be. And it's hard to tell sometimes. Yeah. Well, unlike Romantic Saga 3, the game's actually like like $40. So it's like $10 more. Yeah. That's rough. But I at least it's something weird like Departure R where it's like $21 exactly it's, plus I mean, tax that's, weird. that's probably like at least they're not going trying to charge 40 for it <laughs> that game should not be sold for too high of a price given what they're actually offering Saga 3 is... should have been the discount price but I think it should even be lower than that but it should be, you know what, I can't discuss this because I would purchase it, whatever the hell they charge for it. Yeah, that's one of those situations where I think the thought process here was entirely the person who will purchase Romancing Saga 3 will purchase it at essentially any price. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what else. Um, I saw something interesting on the, uh, on the pre-orders um, section at the store for Switch. 
Mm-hmm. Is um, apparently Jalico had a series called Ninja Jajamaru. Oh yeah, Ninja Jajamaru-kun. Yep. So yeah, they're they are releasing the entire series in a collection. Yep. And it's probably going to have to be mentioned on the site at some point because the third and fourth games are RPGs. Huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the third one is basically a Dragon Quest clone, and the fourth one looks like more like a Final Fantasy Adventure clone. I think the third one actually almost like there's evident there's a uh, partially completed English translation of it from the time it's going to be localized in America as Taro's Quest. They didn't think too hard about that name. Uh, hmm. Speaking of Jalico, like there's going to be a smup collection that involves all the Jalico characters that we all remember, and we actually don't because they didn't get enough of them. I can't believe that there's only like five Japanese leisure company super fans. Mm. I don't know that's what this what, is you're even talking about. <laughs> Jalico, that's what Jalico stands for. Um, they were a uh, like weird. I'm trying to think of like what tier a publisher to put them in. Like Sunday East. Yeah. Okay. So it's like C tier, maybe. Yeah. Like, you're getting into, like, companies that... I think they were most known for, like, City Connections? (laughs) Oh. All-time classic City Connections. They also had Rival Turf and the Peacekeepers and, um... Rushing Beat... Yeah, the Rushing Beat trilogy of, uh... Of Beat-em-ups. Let's see, I'm trying to find a... I don't uh, know what any of these are, and they all sound made up. Yeah, a lot of their games do sound made up, but they, in fact, exist. <laughs> They're just deep uh, bases loaded? I assume that's Wampum? a baseball game? Like, like they yes. had a fighting game called, like, Dragon Dance or something. <laughs> uh, and it's a really shitty fighting game, because, like, um, whenever you land an attack on the enemy, the game sort of freezes frames before it moves on again. <laughs> Yeah. They did. Uh, they did North American publishing of Shatterhand. If you remember that, yeah, sh- sure. Shatterhand, remember that yeah. at least in part because I'm sure you've read Scott Pilgrim at least I've, once, and one I've of his fans the, is named after it. I've only I've seen played the, the original game that's actually based on, which is like the Tokyo Soul Brain. Oh, I here's know. one. Yeah. Uh, here's what? here's one I'm uh, notably obsessed with. Uh, hey, punk, are you tough enough? <laughs> <laughs> So, did you ever read the webcomic uh, Manly Guys Doing Manly Things? Of course. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, at one point they were, I think this is about during the uh, second Obama elections, and they were parodying just uh, political ads, and it was showing a debate between the uh, the mayor from, I can't remember which fighting game it was, but he usually fought bare-chested, he was trying to save his daughter, and versus, oh, you're thinking versus of Senator Mike Tiger. Bison. And so the guy was giving a speech about Ask not whether you are tough enough to save the president. Ask if your president is tough enough to save you. Um, That's fair. Oh no! If no, if you're a bad enough dude to save the president, that was it. Mm-hmm. I like that one part in uh, <coughs> Pop Team Member where they basically aped a uh, final fight. Oh man! I'm, I'm going to bring up another one of these that Wheels is going to think is a fake fake game name, which is uh, <laughs> Brahma Force: The Assault on Belt Logger Nine. <laughs> I actually remember you, seeing that. You just spit out a bunch of gibberish. That is not the real title to anything. 
<laughs> hey, it still sounds better than Breath of Death 7. It is, uh, it that's, was a... Okay, that's fair. It was a spiritual successor to Killeek, the DNA Imperative. <laughs> Which, Which I do I've seen that in the store, so I knew that's an actual game. What? Yeah, that was a game where you what? were. It was a first-person dungeon crawler, where you were a robot, and then it somehow turned out to be about like a, about attempts to clone Hitler. I, I feel like Kalik was their attempt to ape Siberia, the old Siberia with the C in its name. Oh man! Let's see, they published uh, Irritating Electric Stick. Hmm. I remember your chain stick. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to find any point of reference for help me for Chalico, and I don't help me Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, Wheels isn't enough of a gaming enthusiast to hear of this company. <laughs> a game master. Uh, they published some um, some North American games in Japan. They published like. In Japan, they published Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance for some reason. <laughs> see, a lot of idle John Shi puzzle games. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to find a point of reference Wheels has ever heard of. King Arthur's World. I'm going to create the fiction that Jalico exists purely to feed off of his off of Wheels' fears, <laughs> M- much like they did in um, Doctor Sleep. <laughs> See, uh, beloved firefighting game, The Ignition Factor. <laughs> Which There's is more actually... than one firefighting game. Yes, yeah. These are, there are multiple Super NES it, firefighting it, it, games. It's like, let's make the firefighters, but let's make it more realistic. <laughs> I think my favorite, I think my favorite firefighting game is Konami's Firefighter FD18, which has mm. boss fires. And has like immortal, incredible lines like that. You fire is so fireman. angry. <laughs> the fireman's probably one of the better ones. It's it's good. There's a sequel to that one on PS One as well. Um, let's see, Gunbird. Gunbird is good. Maybe you've heard of Gunbird. They published that in North America. Yeah, it's part of it's part of a Schmuck collection. It's also coming out soon. Yeah, the Psycho collection. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to find a single thing that we else has ever heard of. Have they made an RPG? Uh, Ninja, uh, let me see, what was this Jajamaru-kun RPG? Uh, Jajamaru-ninpocho? I retract my question. <laughs> it was going to be released here as Taro's Quest before they cancelled it. Okay, that one, yes. You know, you know what Koei Tecmo really needs to do? They need to revamp... The Secret of the Seven Stars. <laughs> um, I could almost see that sort of working if they decided to just break it down to base principles and build a better game out of the concept. Yeah. Never. <laughs> Which, I mean, weirder things have been done looking at Saga 3. Um, but <laughs> still, that's oh, wait, an awful lot of work. Never mind, sorry. That, that's, that, that's an awful lot of work to try and mine nostalgia for a game that wasn't very popular. Yeah. And or, or I don't good. think Square Enix would ever go through it. Just be, actually, actually, who owned it? it? Was Tecmo, wasn't it? Yeah, Tecmo. Yeah. I don't. I can't see Koei Tecmo doing that. Yeah, yeah that's. Uh, I mean, it kind of has like that Kusabe rep- reputation, but <laughs> Te- Tec- Tecmo of the '90s for the Super Nintendo and Genesis era was just weird. 
<laughs> I mean, there's a reason that they were on the verge of going bankrupt when Dead or Alive happened. But yeah, like all the rest of these games have names like Wonder Hunting, so I don't think we'll be going to part of that. No, no, I'm still convinced you've made up this company and all their entire library of games. Uh, Tetris Plus? I mean, I've heard of Tetris. Uh, this was a PS1 Tetris called Tetris Plus. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Puzzle Up Poco? No. Rockin' Mega Session? No. Ultra Cops? No. World Championship Pool 2004? I remember seeing that. <laughs> In an ad, but that's it. Yeah. Uh, Night Lore, Majo no Kami Otoko? <laughs> yes, I've seen that. Yes, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's a... It's a... Um, I'm going to take a wild guess here. Adventure <laughs> game? For the record, Night Lore was a was a ultimate play the game game that they published and ported in Japan. Mm. Uh, I think that subtitle is basically like Magical Wolfman. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty much. Which was that was the gimmick of Night Lore was that uh, was that yeah, your character was a werewolf. Let's see. Um, Racket Attack, Wizards and Warriors they published in Japan. I know what that is. Oh, they did the NES port of Maniac Mansion. <laughs> oh, okay. I've there. not really played any version of that game, but I know what it is. <laughs> it's proof that the, everything I just said hasn't been entirely made up. You've, you've uh, finished a six degrees of separation, I guess. <laughs> I hate the thing that I just did. But, yeah. Who's the company that made Bioforce Ape? Bioforce Ape was a SETA game, I think? Something like which, that? Which is technically never released, but... I mean, there's, there's somebody a dump made of it, it out there. <laughs> there. There's a dump of it out there. There's an actual, like, legitimate dump of it. A dump of it. It's weird. It's not quite as weird as the fake one. Um, I wonder whatever became of the people that made Urban Yeti. <laughs> uh, I, I think they're all in jail. Um, <laughs> arrested for crimes against humanity by making the game. <laughs> Listen, Urban Yeti is not a crime against humanity, but it's probably evidence of a diff- of some form of other crime. Uh, I still, I'm trying to remember who actually was developing it. I really want to say Seta, but... Um, yeah, it was Seta. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's... Uh, if it anyone... also made Nosferatu, which is a good game. Yeah, kind of a Prince of Persia-style game. Um, I would fully recommend anyone that doesn't know what uh, what Bioforce Ape is to look up the real Bioforce Ape and then look up the fake Bioforce Ape. <laughs> which you will likely get if you Google Bioforce Ape Butter. And that's uh, that's what you're gonna get. Oh. Go off of it. Uh, it 
I'll I'll do the quick version. Bioforce Ape was a cancelled, weird-looking game from SETA that someone made a thread on a game prototype collector's forum saying they had gotten a uh, prototype of that was supposed to be obviously fake, but people kept asking them questions about the game, so eventually they just started making shit up. Didn't SETA also make that weird Frankenstein game where you play some knight that fights Frankenstein? They did, yeah. Okay. But this but fake Bioforce Ape, I, I need to go through this further because eventually they started adding, they started making up things about the game that involved directly reacting to questions people were asking them. Uh, that culminated in them uh, mocking up a screenshot. Uh, someone said that they, someone in the thread said that they figured that the game was worth $2,000. So they mocked up a screenshot of a monster made out of butter speaking in a German accent saying that the game was worth $2,000 and then followed it up with a picture of Bioforce A punching the butter monster while shouting eat communism. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Very strange game and then they proceeded to show the cartridge they claimed contained Bioforce A hit with a hammer. (laughs) So that was a that's a very strange thing and possibly worth going down just to try to find the weird e communism image, which uh, still still exists on the internet if you're willing to look for it. So I I have found a Jellico game I have heard of and possibly played. Oh, okay. what is it? The Rescue of Princess Blobette on Game Boy. Oh man! I think yeah. I heard about that one. I've never seen it. I think so. It's, uh, it's a boy and his blob too. Ah, okay. Not as good as Boy in His Blob 3. Okay, the wee Boy in His Blob. <laughs> let's see. Let's, let's go back to questions now. Yes. Here's, here's a quick one that everyone will have an answer for. What was the first video game you ever played? Uh, probably Asteroids. Shit. Uh... That's how old I am. Yeah. Be privileged enough. It's not a game I played personally, but it's like I went to my babysitter's house and they had like I think it was an Odyssey that had asteroids on it. Could have been an Odyssey, maybe an Odyssey two. Hmm. Uh, for me, it'd be something on the Atari. God only knows what. Uh, I remember some game my brother and I used to play where we were, you both played as tanks and shot at each other. Couldn't mm-hmm. remember the game of it. Couldn't can't remember the name of it. But I'm just gonna say E. T. because that's fun. And I have I did play E. T. back in the day, so there you go. E. T. Yeah. is open world Pac Man, mark my words. Um <laughs> Well, if we're going back to the very first games we can remember. Um there was this one game, I think it was on a Texas Instruments computer. It was a Pac-Man clone. I was like five years old. Four. Four years old, maybe. Mm. So, that's the first thing I can remember. Or first one I remember playing. Uh, I am younger than all of you. Uh, something on either Game Boy or Super Nintendo. Uh, I'm only 36. Are you sure you're younger? <laughs> uh, by nearly a decade. Ooh, Okay. <laughs> So young no, I do game. feel old. 
Oh, I didn't okay. want to hurt you, but you forced my hand. I'm 36 <laughs> for another month, so there you go. Hey, I'm I'm still not 40 for another month. Yes. Yay. I didn't want to hurt you, but you forced my hand. <laughs> Was it? I'm only 36, but I already feel like I'm middle-aged. <laughs> still got a tenth of the way there. Let's see. Um, but yeah, uh, like it was, it was probably playing on a friend's Game Boy because. Yeah, that would have been more logical to me than any other candidate that I've got. So we're going to go with Super Mario Land. <laughs> it's a good game. It is. Could use a nice uh, remake. It sort yeah, of people, has one. <laughs> people keep trying, and the ones they do keep not being good. Sorry. They're well, it's, good it's effort, Super Mario but... 3D Land's not the successor we hope for. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I mean, like, in terms of fan remakes is what I was referencing. No, Super Mario 3D Land is great. I'm just talking about, like, a actual, like, up, like sh- shine up the graphics and make it look nice and playable on something. Modern. I just want remixes of the soundtrack. The soundtrack's incredible. Yeah. That and Super Mario Land 2, which is also very good. I was talking about the fan game where it was, like, new Super Mario Land, which yeah. is... Just... I saw that and I hated it. <laughs> it's like, it, it, yeah, you had me at that until it said new. And it's like, it's probably based on that style, isn't it? It's based on that art style, but like... I don't hate those games, but like, out of all those games, like, no, none of them do it for me except for the most recent one, which was the Switch Deluxe version. <laughs> and I still haven't picked it up. The weirdest thing is that it's it's using the new art style, but it's designed for play on a Super Nintendo. It mm. looks really off. <laughs> it doesn't look like it plays good. I don't I don't really get what they were going for there. Um, there was another like ROM hack that was just designed to give it color, and that redid Mario's sprite such that it makes it really hard to tell where he begins and ends. <laughs> oh. 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 That's pretty bad. So, yeah, fully, fully, like, both of those show impressive technical acumen and kind of bad choices for how to do, to do your design. Um, but yeah, uh, I love the I love Mario Land One and Two, which is why legally I must uh, fight and kill Wario Land One. Hey, I liked Wario Land One quite a lot. A lot of people do, but it's just that Wario Land Two and Three are much better. <laughs> I, I've no, never. I, I really didn't like the change in gameplay to the let's see how many different ways we can warp Wario and have him solve puzzles. I've I actually only... liked Wario Land the original much better. I've only played Wario Land 1 and 4, and I did not did not like either of them. The only thing I don't like about 4 is the fact that they make you do a timed uh, return to the original, the or- origin point of the level you were in. That That's kind of dumb. Yeah, that's dumb and weird, but like that's not even what bothers me. I just find the level design boring and the pacing kind of pokey. <laughs> yeah, 3's th- problem is that it's probably too big for its own good, but I still like 3. Three sounds interesting, although I'm curious to like one day I'll play three. I've never played two or three, but three sounds interesting. But I have my concerns about like the uh, design philosophy of well, since you can't die, the 
uh, difficulty comes in from ferrying one pow- power or Wario state from one place to another. And then mm. eventually you're going to hit a point where it's like you have to keep going back. I'd rather have just died. I have to keep going back to get this power because I keep failing to get it to the area I need to use it. That would be the main reason why I don't like those games past the first one. Apparently the Virtual Boy game plays like uh, Wario Land 1. Might be the coldest comfort I can offer, but it is... Uh, Remake the... it, you cowards. <laughs> For Virtual Boy? Really? The Virtual Boy... Like, there were people that I know who were really hoping that we would get Virtual Boy Wario Land remade for uh, 3DS. No, but they'll, they'll wait until they get proper VR in the next Switch iteration, and then they'll do it. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that VR is gonna make sense in any time in the next ten years. Uh, I do love that in uh, Luigi Mansion Three that they reference the uh, virtual boo. The virtual boo, love it. Yeah, I like all the game. Ha- all hail Luigi! <laughs> yeah, we had the Game Boy Horror. What was it? Was the dual scream in the last in Dark yes. Moon? I think. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, the virtual boo. Yeah, I don't. I don't think uh, Half Life is going to suddenly catapult VR into the mainstream. You know, one of the weirdest things about Pokemon Short and Sealed is that the Gigantamax scene was actually referenced in Detective Pikachu. <laughs> oh man, they took one because they took one of the Pokemon um, that existed in that world, but they like made it super huge. And the reason why is because apparently it was experimented with and they permanently Gigantamaxed it somehow. It's like not just one, they had multiples of those things and they yeah. mistook them for mountains at first. Mm-hmm. But and, like, you, and before and in that scene, scene happens, they had minimized smaller the same things. Yeah. In the lab, they're like much smaller. <laughs> Let's all just watch. Uh, let's all just watch Detective Pikachu again. Yes, that's. Uh, I need to get going because okay. I only got like a few hours of sleep, so I need more. Okay. Well, that really blows my bridge discovery out of the water. <laughs> See you, Eric. <laughs> See you, Eric. Okay. Okay. Well, then, last random comment on st- things about retro graphics. Um. I'm curious, is um, is Sonic and, or Mario and Sonic at the 2020 Olympics out in America yet? Yes. Yeah. So, have you seen anything about the B side of the game? The story mode or something else? I'm not quite sure what it is. I just saw this on a like a promotional video at the store the other day, and I was just laughing in the middle of the store at it. But um, so, like typical Olympics game with those two, it's all the the top grade graphics playing the various oh, games. Oh yeah, you're think you're talking about like where they get transported back to like the 1984 Olympics. No, 1964. Oh, 64, <laughs> of course. Yeah, t- and so everything is played with retro graphics. So you've got Sonic sprites from the Genesis. You've got original Famicom Mario and Luigi sprites doing these things. Yeah, I just thought yeah. It was really funny. Oh no, it's very charming. There's a full like RPG style story mode for that section. Yep. So. Very silly. But yeah, that, that one looks cute. Uh, I'm not sure that... Oh, man, they, they pulled out, like, the original Peach Sprite for that one. They always love doing that for a gag. <laughs> that is not a good Sprite. Um, 
but yeah, uh, I might pick that up when it's on sale. It looks fun. I just thought it was just a really cute gag to do, considering it's the second Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. We can close this out with uh, Budai's questions uh, about Mario, actually. Which is the best Mario RPG? Um, There's a loaded question. Um, Paper Mario 64. It's not Mario and Luigi Partners in Time. I can tell you that. I mean, yeah, like, I was gonna say we, the question was not to pick the worst one. <laughs> yeah, personally, I, know um, you've I, been I really like Paper Mario uh, when I played it for sixty on Nintendo sixty four. That's my personal and, favorite. Yeah, I mean, um, the Super Nintendo one that um, that Square helped to make was pretty good in its own way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thousand Year Door. I th- I find like I I understand I find that Thousand Year Door falls a bit too in love with the joke is that it just wasted your time. But... Oh, it sounds like somebody yeah. else's little host is waking up. Yeah, I'll be right back. Now it's our chance to dunk on wheels. Wait, now. Um, but yeah, I, I really like Cape uh, Mario sixty four because. I think something about cartridge limitations kept them in check on how much that they could just sort of make the joke being that they just sent you on a wild goose chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely, I mean, there are enough Geno fans in this world to know that there are a lot of people that are still holding out on that uh, Super Nintendo one, <laughs> which is a good game in its own right. Yeah. But feels very different from the uh, Paper Mario games and even more so from the Mario and Luigi's. Well, yeah. <laughs> oh, many degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. In conclusion, the best Mario RPG is the uh, story mode of Mario and Sonic at the 2020 Olympic Games. <laughs> it being the one that we have not played yet, so we can't dunk on it. Yeah. So by and, default. Yeah. It's it's unimpeachable. None of us knows how to none of us knows how to insult it. Yes, exactly. And of course, Budai tacked on another question that uh, me and Wheels can probably get into a death combat about uh, being just for fun. What's the best Mario game of all time? Oh dear. Uh, yeah. I mean, we've already been we were already arguing over the credentials for Wario Land. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, Which I mean, we we can at least both agree that the that the body the body horror issues with the later Mar- Warrior Land games just, are just yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I just I just really liked a lot of the aesthetic for Warrior Land. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the level designs, a lot of the graph. I mean, much better graphics than the previous two games for the Game Boy. So that was a big issue. Or a big point, at least. And some, and some really good music too. Oh yeah, definitely. I won't. Uh, I won't complain about the soundtrack at all. Um, like Warrior Land, I, I admit that it is probably a better game than I give it credit for. But it's one of those things that just never clicked with me. Yeah. Uh, it does. Uh, 
I do. There are a lot of things I like about it. I like the ability to unlock like side stages and side worlds. Essentially, it's kind mm-hmm. of pulled from uh, Mario World, but done in a way that is designed to feel more interconnected. So, like you'll finish bosses, and that'll go back and change. Like, I think the first area is like a beach. It, it gets flooded, and so that's how you can actually access some of the special treasures yeah. later. Yeah, and I think that's really neat, actually. But, uh, yeah, something about the way the game plays just didn't click with me. But it's a really neat game. Yeah. Uh, I think my actual favorite Mario games are, like, 2D is probably World, and 3D is probably, like, 64 Odyssey. Exploratory games, and those kind of fit that bill. Yeah. Eventually, Wheels will return, and I can get into a proper uh, slobber knocker with him about whether uh, World or um, whether World or Mario Brothers Three is better, and one of us will die. I know. I mean, re- recently I've just been watching a lot of um, Let's Play, or just uh, not exactly Let's Plays, but competitive um competitive super mario maker players oh, <laughs> and j- just one I, I just picked one guy that i kind of like to watch and i haven't even touched i try not to touch any of the others that can be so, helpful <laughs> yeah so it's just it's it's like it's watching like watching competitive video games like professional where some mm-hmm. people might ask well why why bother watching when you can just play it yourself? And I'm just looking at some of these levels and thinking, there is no way in bloody hell I could ever survive yeah. some of these games. Some of these insanely sadistic levels that people come up with for fun. So I can appreciate the um, the amount of eye-hand coordination necessary to survive. I'm still... I, I don't think that anyone's yet made a better joke level in Mario Maker 2 than that one that someone made immediately after it came out where they just took the first level of Mario 1 and p- built it sideways. I've seen people try to play that um, <laughs> cooperatively and it was insane. I can't even imagine what that looks like. Uh, yeah, like something like everyone when like there's a certain personality type that they get a hold of Mario Maker and immediately attempt to make torture devices. So. What are we talking about? Uh, uh, Budai asked uh, what the best Mario game is, and that led us into Mario Maker 2 discussion. Huh. What is the best Mario game, Will? Um, That is a very complicated and in-depth question to consider. Conclusion, Mario is a land of contrast. Yes, consider <laughs> and think about and Mario Odyssey. Uh. Odyssey is one of the options I proffered, so we, we don't have to fight. <laughs> and I was, I was I realized partway through that if I was going to make a Simpsons joke, it should have been the wind will be traveling at a rate of Five, not. <laughs> Don't you know this is costing me money? I'm 
trying to decide whether Wales actually got that bit. No, I can't remember. I, where I know I didn't. From. It's it's the coach hotline from the sports gambling episode. Oh God. <laughs> oh, we're like intercutting that by trying to predict every single word that he's about to say, and like gives up right around the point where he says knots instead of miles per hour. <laughs> Uh, when you're right 52% of the time you're wrong 48% of the time (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, yeah I offered uh, best 2D game is world best 3D game is either uh, 64 or Odyssey you'd probably go with either Galaxy or Odyssey for 3D game I would say Galaxy 2 honestly or Odyssey over Galaxy 1 I think Galaxy 2 is better. I kind of lumped them together in my brain, so... <laughs> it, that's fair. I mean, they're very similar, but I just I think um, 2, obviously, building off a of 1 has a lot more interesting levels. And each, uh, like 1, it does have some motion-controlled nonsense, but... Uh, I mean, yeah. those are fun, too, though. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's true. Just some not everyone's cup of tea. I don't care. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, so fair. we've had knock, knockdown dragouts about three versus world before anyway. No, and you're, you're absolutely correct. The world is better. Oh, wow. I thought I thought you were in the three camp. No, not really. Okay, fair enough. I've, I've gone back and played them, and yeah, the world is definitely better. <laughs> Together in perfect harmony. But, yeah. So I guess that runs us out of questions. Uh, oh, we were kind of out a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, we were out of gas, but we weren't quite out of questions until now. <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, I guess uh, thank you to Budai and Law Whoops for providing our questions this week. Uh, Yay. You can continue to provide questions, and other people are free to join them, as sometimes happens, in the comments section on this podcast or in the Discord. Um, anything else we need to say before we hit the road? Mm, Jack? Um, let's see. Uh, not really. Play Saga. Always play Saga. Always be playing Saga. But yeah, otherwise, uh, see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya. See ya.